0: <laughs> What's up? It's Big Jim 618 and you're listening to episode 14 of 5Qs the Podcast. Desmonds.
1: Yeah, Big Jim. Thanks to the intro, mate. What a legend. Still killing better it after all these years. Yeah, way better than John. Uh, welcome back, listeners. Here we are, episode 14. And we're about to dive deep into the Adelaide hardcore scene with an Adelaide local, Pete Bloke.
2: <laughs> I'm not a local.
1: <laughs> I live here, though. We've uh, we've just decided to highlight every individual city, um, so we'll get to everyone down the track. But uh, first up's Adelaide, sparked on by a few people just saying, play these bands. So we thought we'd just play all of them because there's fucking a lot of good bands out there. So, let's get started. Can I talk? I guess so. See, I didn't cut your...
2: I didn't speak over you. I'm learning.
1: And how hard was it for you to do that?
2: Really hard. But anyway, (laughs) I'm excited about today's episode and the future ones. I think this is something cool uh, where we focus on one scene in particular. We'll go back to when we kind of were involved At first in each scene so don't get all fucking PC or not PC don't try and say oh there was bands before that yeah there probably was but we're going to speak about when we first went to these places you know and when our friends yeah and we're also not going to bring it all the way up to the current day which I think I said in last week's episode we're kind of just going to we're just going to do whatever the fuck we do and you're going to listen to it. All right. That's what we do here, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Because there's fucking too many bands to play every band, obviously, but we're only playing the ones that had some sort of significant factor in the scene and produced good people. So.
2: And Jed's already complaining about how many songs I've sent him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's eight.
1: I think the listeners a lot might, of be, songs. might be off listening to eight songs. It's going to be a long one. So for the, uh, for the 12 people that listen to the whole thing, buckle in. <laughs> What's the first band, Desmond?
2: I just almost choked on my water. Um, well, I think we'll start with Force Fed 9. Um, yes, everyone, there was bands before them. Price of Silence was one. But for me, Force Fed 9 was probably one of the first. Well, no, you know what? I probably heard others first. But anyway, we're starting there. Um, all members of this band except one are still involved in bands in Adelaide, which is pretty cool. And you'll still see most of them at shows. Maybe not everyone, but they're still around. Well, they a band? Uh, I don't know. I think at one point a lot of them were straight edge. But when this came out, I know in Sydney, people just could not believe what the hell was happening. They were talk, sing, it was like they had pictures of guns and they were talking about crews and it was pretty funny.
1: Yeah. They're wearing like gangster clothes and now that gangster, everywhere. yeah everywhere, like everyone's in SA now, thanks to speed. But in 1996, <laughs> it was pretty unheard of. And then, like looking back you can see where DOC and Shotpoint and all those guys got their style from like oh yeah this is the blueprint really whereas you were like footy and fights in Maroubra and they were like gangster homies
2: pretty much yeah
1: um i well, remember buying yeah. the force fed 9 cd a few years after it came out or maybe a long time ago cuz i hadn't found it and it said Formed in nineteen
2: ninety six. Yeah, that's okay pretty early on. Sorry, not formed in ninety
1: six. Released. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well that that's the thing. That's like quite early on in the Australian hardcore landscape. And for a band from Adelaide to already have metallic hardcore and more modern kind of influences, they're almost like ahead of the time, you know?
1: Yeah. They didn't do much though, did they?
2: No, and it's not really my cup of tea, but they're definitely ahead of the game because it pretty much shaped everything that came after, in, in Adelaide especially.
1: Yeah, for sure. Should um, we play a song? Yeah, so they probably, what, do they break up after this or move on to other bands like
2: They moved on to a band called Three Chain Break that Restraint ended up playing quite a lot of shows with around the place.
1: Oh, right. I remember
2: that. Hmm. Um, I think it was just the singer. I'm not sure. Can't remember.
1: Cool. Well, here's song number one. Out of Control. Out of Control.
2: band we're going to play next, Embodiment 1214, which is a psycho name, which clearly lets everyone know that they are of the faith. Um, And I remember again when this came out, us punks in Sydney were not a fan.
1: <laughs> I can fully see that.
2: Yeah, but I do remember Beltsy telling me, you have to check this out. It's so good and of course I listened to him and I put it on and I said this is not for me you told me not to write things off but it is again you can
1: say that's not for you but don't say it's fucking dog shit speaking of not
2: for you they did a split with not for you
1: they did but let let me say that when I heard them, it was like, it was psycho. You hadn't heard a singer as skiffs as that. We were probably scared for our lives. And then we, we finally, well, I've seen them a few times. And the first trip to Brisbane that me and Pig and a few others ever did was to see them June 2000, we drove up probably pretty much just got our license and driving to Brisbane in the year 2000 was like fucking seven hours. So um, that was like, yeah, 50 people played. And then I remember they played another time when Weber and Crafter were staying with us in Byron. So we'd already established a friendship at that point and they were mosh pitting. And I was like, there's barely a mosh pit part, but they were just like, showing their Adelaide pride, I suppose. But I digged them. They were like different and um, talented. And they and the, I remember the bass player played with no shoes and we were all like, look at this Hessian. But what a legend.
2: Well, Elements, what's it called? Elements? Oh, fucking work. For you. Elements of this man-made man came out in 1998. So again, it's quite early on. And again, a band that sounded nothing like any other bands in Australia. And again, ahead of its time, like it's almost metalcore before metalcore existed.
1: Yes, it was.
2: Which little did they know in like 10 years later, bands would be making thousands of dollars and touring the world. Mm. But Darren's still
1: involved in the scene, isn't he? Yeah, he's still around, and
2: you know what? They, a lot of the guys in this band pop up at Adelaide shows, they're still around. Bear was the bass player's name, and he was right. a legend.
1: Bear, yeah. what a legend.
2: Um, And, yeah, they were a really talented band, that's for sure. Like musicianship and stuff, they were really good musicians.
1: Mm. And thanks to uh, Oz Hardcore, What's it called? Digital archives? All their Oh so- did he put it up? All their songs are up on Spotify, so go check it out.
2: If you say Adelaide Hardcore, what comes into your head, Jed? Michael Craft. Quick. Oh, wrong answer. You should have said Day of Contempt. Day of Contempt, for me, are the band from Adelaide. Um, Weber spoke about it in his 15-minute long message that he sent us. When are we playing that, Jed? After this. Yeah, we'll play that after this. Every, listeners I contacted a bunch of people and said just send me a, send me something talking about Adelaide and Weber just fucking went skits and sent me a full on detailed thing which will play because he went to the effort of doing it and it's really good it tells you everything it put, paints a picture of what they were doing so basically he says force fed nine started playing shows they were little punks they saw these guys with exes and wearing big clothes, and they said, that looks good, let's do that. And then Tommy D, this big metal man, said, I'll write some riffs, and Day of Contempt was born. Um, Day of Contempt were an active band for a really long time, ended up moving to America, but we're going to focus on the first EP, and it's obviously Australia's version of Earth Crisis, and a band, I don't think, has been that focused on the actual, no, well that, but as well as like being good, you know what I mean? Like I know when, see, I'm really good friends with Dan, right? And so I, I know once he joined the band every Saturday or every Sunday, they would rehearse for 12 hours. Like they had the book, the place booked all day long. And every, every weekend they just go there, work on their sounds, like their guitar tones, and, like, structures of and, like, trying to make their songs. Like, I've never heard of an Australian hardcore band practicing like that in my life. Like, uh. they took it so seriously. And, like, so even the, the sound of their EP sounds better than most bands fucking anything they've done, you know? Like, I just think they, they stepped everything up, you know? Like, even Toe to Toe and oh, Mind Snare and stuff. Like, I don't think anyone at this point, so this is 99 when this comes out, it's kind of the turn where everyone starts, you know, getting better gear and using proper studios. But I feel like they were the first real band, you know, that said, "All right, let's fucking do this thing properly and get serious." And, and this it, is a top top five Australian hardcore song,
1: easily for sure. Uh, and serious, they definitely were in the mosh pit, as I well, yeah. first witnessed at Hardcore Two Thousand and One.
2: Again, this wasn't what I was listening to at this stage of my life. Definitely but not. we f- we formed a really close friendship with these guys. Um, through restraint, either playing there or us playing with them in Sydney. Um, and oh, there's just no denying they were. Even watch old footage, it's it's holds up now. They could play now and fucking smoke everyone. They were just a really tight band and. Again, bringing that kind of American vibe, which that's what kind of Australia didn't really have at all. Like the more current, they just took, they also had close friendships with people overseas through the Adelaide hardcore scene, which Weber spoke about, which is kind of random, but. um,
1: Well, I remember when they played Byron Bay with Throwdown in late, 2002 possibly, probably the first time they played Byron. And I, they stayed at my house and it was like the first time I'd, I'd obviously seen them a few times, but it was the first time I hung with them properly and saw really tattooed men. And it was like <laughs> a full like different experience. I was like, they're men and I'm just this little sad boy. <laughs> with one star tattoo on my leg like they're real hardcore men like it was crazy that and was
2: 2003
1: Throwdown down in DOC yeah mm. do you remember who else was there look I reckon you're wrong there but whatever
2: no I'm not I was on the fucking tour
1: mate okay whatever <laughs> um, I also, I, I lived in Canada in 2004 and the people that I was, um, hanging out with were like, we're going to go see bury your dead, um, in Seattle. It's a three hour drive. Let's go. And Dave contempt were on one of their first American tours. And at the time, even Oh four, like that was as unheard of for an, Amer- an Australian band to tour America. With Barry Dead, who at the time was everyone's favorite band except yours. And I watched Never. them.
2: <laughs> Never and
1: heard of. um there was sixty people at the show, like just and I hit the pit with full vengeance, throwing down like the worst Byron Bay hardcore moves. I think fifty nine <laughs> people at the show were just like, What has happened to the scene? And <laughs> then is i what
3: that guy doing
1: yeah, I would have had a fucking pink bandana and fucking bleach blonde hair. Like, I was a mess. But it was psycho. And I sat in their van afterwards and I'm like, I felt like I was hanging with Metallica. I was like, these guys are on tour. Every night they go to a show. They're living in a van like what? The The sickest life. Little did I know that within six months, that would be my life for 15 years. But... It was um an experience for sure. So everyone knows this song, and if you don't, then what the fuck have you been doing with your entire life for this <laughs> whole time? Like, have you... Did you hit the pit for this song, or were you too scared? Wait, are you asking me? That's Yeah, that's my question to you. I'm scared of no pit. You were scared of this pit, I'm telling you now.
2: I grew up watching toe-to-toe play in <laughs> Sydney. Trust me. A couple of nerds kickboxing doesn't scare me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go.
2: No, but that was Drain by Day of Contempt, truly one of the greatest Australian hardcore songs ever. And the man that wrote it, Tommy D, and the man who Luke Webber credits the sound of Adelaide hardcore to, Mr. Tommy D, uh, checked in with us and left us a message.
4: Peter, my old mate, yes. So the Adelaide hardcore glory days. Shit, eh? Where do we start? Well, I reckon there's probably a few standout moments for me. I grew up listening to, probably like most people, punk rock, and that was sort of like the SoCal punk rock that was Fat Records and Epitaphs, so Pennywise strung out. I was a huge NoFX fan, you know, kind of still am. But, uh, yeah, and that sort of evolved into searching local record stores for, you know, everything and anything that we could we could find that was in that genre, you know. Uh, and then we found a mail-order distro that was called Spiral Objective, which just had everything, Um Everything and anything, hardcore and punk, and that just opened all of our eyes just hugely. So it was, um, yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge moment. Uh, it was a huge moment for us, but uh, then one Bedroom Coit played me a band called Pantera, and that just blew my mind. So I had this sort of, like, punk rock-centric beginning and then a, you know, a foothold in the groove metal, (laughs) I guess, and it sort of started off all that. And then, you know, we started to look for heavier bands, like, you know, some of those Melbourne Gronkle bands like Wrong Body and Bean Flipper and Fallout, you know, And then, of course, we discovered Mind Snare through, you know, I think I ordered Under Fire through Spiral Objective way, way back in the day, probably 94, 95, whenever that was released. Um, And, of course, you know, locally Force Fed 9, an embodiment, you know. And I reckon that one was pretty instrumental to, you know, those early you know, my early upbringing in that hardcore scene. You know, another time was probably uh, probably not long after that is, you know, I started, you know, once DOC had formed, you know, we had Josh and Vinny in the band and they'd basically come from, you know, a metal background and, you know, they were pretty heavily into, you know, grindcore and death metal so you know we were all listening to those old 90s roadrunner bands and earache grindcore and sort of that mixed in with earth crisis and hate breed and strife and everything like that um and it sort of just became this bit of a melting pot i guess of genres and You know, I think the influences of the, you know, the old school death metal and Swedish death metal and all those sorts of things, plus the, you know, the mad balls and all that sort of stuff, we sort of, I don't know, the hardcore scene kind of just grew into this groove, there was definitely a groove in the Adelaide scene that well, that's what it felt like. Um, we were always, I guess, considered probably more of the heavier scenes throughout Australia. I don't know if I'm talking at my ass or not, but yeah, that's, that's what it felt like. Um, and probably another, like I said, there was a few different periods when you asked me to do this that sort of sprung to mind is, you know, that period when things started to started to feel like they were happening um you know we were all like ben coit weber myself we were all we were organizing these shows at the adelaide community center and you know we started off playing shows to probably i don't know 30 people and you know 20 of them were our mates and bands and then it just grew and grew and grew and before you knew it we were that place was shoulder to shoulder and I can't remember if we got asked to if it was we got asked to leave or if we just outgrew it. But we ended up finding the Irish club. Is that the venue? I think it is, yeah. The Irish club. And yeah, that was just great. And that's where I guess we really started to see some of the, you know, the more local bands hit their straps, you know, like Prom Queens and Um Shot Point Blank and you know, some of the the international bands I think Throwdown played there from memory, but yeah, that was that was a good point in time. That whole period, you know. Early two thousands, late nineties was yeah, it was a really, really, really good time in that uh that Adelaide hardcore scene.
0: So going back to about 97, 98 in uh, Adelaide, I was a young punk um, bodyboarder, just listened to bands that were on bodyboarding videos, Pennywise, No Effects, Bad Religion, um, No Use for a Name, all those kind of bands, Jughead, Ravens, etc. Also listened to a lot of uh, local stuff, so a lot of surf and skate punk bands like Where's the Pope, the Bearded Clams, the Numb Skulls, which kind of... Um, Also led me into a bit of heavier stuff. I I liked a little bit of crust, bands like Bean Flipper and Unit 1174. I don't know if anyone remembers those bands, but um, that was quite some time ago. And I had a mate, Tommy D, who actually played in bands like Day of Contempt. And um, he always used to get a mail order catalog from a um, company or business called Spiral Objective. And essentially, it would just be a list of Bands, the description of the bands, and uh, you could basically tick a little thing to order it, and then you send off your your well concealed cash or money order, and they'd send you back the tapes or CDs at that time or records, I guess as well. Um, the cool thing about that, Tommy was really proactive about buying new stuff. So I was a bit of a poor young kid, didn't buy much stuff, just taped stuff off my mates. And I remember um, Tommy getting a few, you know, new bands like. Um, uh, you know, different hardcore bands that I hadn't heard of, but maybe a little bit more on the metal side because he was definitely a, a metalhead. So I I feel like that's probably what spawned Adelaide into that kind of more metal side of hardcore. But I specifically remember one time when I was listening to Bean Flipper, which was like a I think Melbourne or Sydney kind of crust band. They were kind of popular at the time. We're at a party somewhere down south and like I was actually hammered. And um, I remember Tommy D coming and going, oh, I've got this new record by a band called Earth Crisis. Got to put it on. I'm like, nah, man, we're listening to Bean Flipper. We're not changing Bean Flipper for some other band. Anyway, he convinced me to put it on. I listened to it. I thought, oh, this is pretty good. It's like kind of heavy, but wasn't quite sure about it. But funnily enough, became one of my favorite bands. I ended up with a whole bunch of tattoos of them. I've seen them a bunch of times. They've basically shaped my entire life and you know at first the music was kind of cool but it was more about like what they stood for they stood for that really kind of militant vegan straight edge lifestyle and to be honest at first I hadn't heard much about straight edge or veganism and uh there was another band called force fed nine at the time who was sort of getting around and they were kind of a younger probably what we would call a new metal band um playing around Adelaide and uh, I remember I saw some X's on some of their hands and some of them would wear earth crisis shirts and I sort of I used to think that's a bit weird like why are they not drinking and putting X's on their hands I remember saying to my best mate Ben Coy, like it's kind of weird man like and we were doing a punk band at the time called Stand Aside and we were like writing songs about homies and just kind of funny stuff which actually turned out to be Day of Contempt in the end which was um, kind of quite funny but uh, I said we should write a song about like anti-straight edge because I just thought it was dumb at the time and You know, we didn't, but funnily enough, like we, it ended up becoming our whole lives and it was kind of turned the Adelaide scene into kind of what it became. And at that time, and that's kind of a little bit of a background on me and my sort of growth into hardcore, but in terms of Adelaide as a whole, we had so, so many great bands coming out of there. And if anyone that's been to Adelaide knows, Adelaide is a pretty small town. There wasn't a lot going on. Some good surf down there. So when we were younger, surfing was a big thing. Skateboarding and car parks, Bunnies car parks and so grocery store car parks was kind of what we did. Um, we had a really good crew of people. So a whole heap of us kind of bonded together that would like hang out all the time. And I always lived at the houses that had everyone coming around to so We had a house in a suburb called Wayville and all bands would come and stay there and um, all our friends would hang out there all the time. Like any night of the week, there'd be like 10 people hanging out on the couch and we'd sit there listening to music, watching VHS, um, like footage of bands from the US and just like, wow, like this is so amazing and couldn't believe it. Um, And that's actually kind of, I think that kind of camaraderie and that kind of bond between um, all of us, which we called eventually the 618 crew, 618 being the kind of area code that you dial into Adelaide, was what kind of helped form that scene. So we, you know, a few bands started up and there was like bands that our friends were in, which um, I was in at the time, so Day of Contempt. Um, I was only in Day of Contempt up until the end of their, well, I, I did their first demo and then um, they moved into getting a different drummer and then I got uh, into Shot Point Blank um, and kind of did that forever. But there was those bands, there was kind of like more political punk bands, there was some crust punk bands, there was bands we, you know, we probably used to call them Hessian bands, but you know, looking back, they were just bands that sang about political stuff and I was probably a bit more into the sort of more ignorant, like Vegan Straight Edge, you know, Heavy Mosh kind of stuff, hate breed, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I also liked metal, so there was bands like Enemy Of and Sprawl and um, even bands like Truth Corroded and you know, like it's kind of funny because we just all play together so we'd just be like oh we go and play at the crown and anchor just all the different bands would play together It'd be all the hardcore kids and all the metal kids and all the like political punk kids and it was kind of a bit of a mixed scene and yeah there was sometimes some problems but wasn't anything major and like we kind of all got along because it was a small scene and we had to kind of make it work and uh i guess um myself and my friends, um, actually probably, I think it was Brett Eights and maybe Ben Coyte who kind of did the first ones. Um, they set up a few shows at the Adelaide community center, which was a small community hall just off of, um, Groats, uh, Goodger street in Adelaide city. And it was, um, the first time I'd kind of been to shows at, not at a like pub or a club. And, you know, we, we helped set it all up ourselves and we like made vegan hot dogs and, um, uh, people would bake vegan cakes and I uh, myself and a few other people were doing zines at the time so we'd write about things that were happening around the world and uh, you know little scene reports on the Adelaide scene and if anyone had been to Melbourne we'd write scene reports on that and that's that. actually zines are how you used to find out about music it was like wasn't really the internet the internet was just kind of starting then I remember the first thing I ever googled on the internet was straight edge um while I was at uni and I couldn't believe it. You could just find information on stuff, but that wasn't really the way. It was more like cuisines and sharing information and snail mail. And so that got us into it pretty heavily. And we set up a whole bunch of those shows and 30, 20, 30 people had come and we thought those shows were absolutely huge, but they kind of worked for the time. And there's some really cool photos from, from that era, um, lurking around the internet, uh, here and there, but it was a very special time because it was very new to us. And I remember a band from New York came over called Shutdown and it was like the biggest thing ever. Like I think it was Shutdown and also like I think at another time DSM from New Zealand came over as well, who I think Pete's talked about on the podcast before. And uh, yeah, it was just like we all went on tour, it was shut down and like we're driving like through the night, no sleep, thought it was the coolest thing ever, and we set up a show for them in the Adelaide Community Center and we were just like so pumped on hardcore then. And it was, it was just an awesome time because it was so new and everything was just like so fresh and exciting. And I think because there wasn't the internet, and the world wasn't so small. Um, I remember, I mean, there was the internet, but it was mostly just like email and those kind of things. There wasn't social media pages as, as such. And I remember connecting with a few people in New York. I was, actually became quite good friends with Rachel from Indecision and uh, Danielle Dombrowski from, uh, I'm not quite sure which city she's from, but she was a photographer, still is a photographer, a lot of um, kind of hardcore bands. She was the one that did a lot of the Syracuse bands, like bands like uh, One King Down, Earth Crisis, um, a lot of those kind of bands that I was really into at the time. Um, so I was like back and forthing via email uh, via snail mail with them um, and also there were some Swedish bands like Sweden was kind of another real big kind of connection we had with the Adelaide scene as well because um, we had a guy called Tom McFarlane at the time who ended up getting right into the kind of crust punk kind of not crust punk, more political punk kind of thing and there was a few problems there because you know we kind of went our different ways but he was also distributing a lot of Swedish hardcore at the time like records so we got into a lot of that stuff like bands like Outlast and Backfire and um uh there was like a Ping hardcore compilation with all these different bands on it um even stuff like Early Refused and it was just really cool and I remember writing to the Outlast guys back and forthing all the time just thinking that was the coolest thing like I could write a letter and two weeks later I get a letter back and they send me some stickers and it was just it was just really exciting. It was very different. It wasn't just so instant like you get now with the internet. But, yeah, that's kind of what kind of put it all together, essentially. And we had such a good scene for a while. And, um, you know, so many bands spawned out of that that did really well. And I think a lot of Adelaide bands did. I think one of the things that differentiated Adelaide bands, not just the kind of style, like we're all into that kind of more metalcore kind of... Uh, even the way that we dressed, we were quite like baggy pants, sportswear kind of style Nike shoes. We were all wearing FUBU at the time, who knows why. Um, Kappa was super popular. Um, But it was all baggy, you know, baseball caps, straight edge. And it was very cool, but um, probably a little bit ignorant and um, oblivious to other things that were going around in Australia. Like there was the Sydney scene, which was a lot more like old school kind of hardcore and probably a bit more political, to be honest. And we always used to think that was a bit funny, you know, to, you know looking back, there's some great bands at that time and it was just a funny little feud that we had. There was no actual beef, but it was just very different. We were just both from different realms and um, yeah, it was just super cool. Um, you know, we made some great friends out of it. Um, we came really close with the New Zealand kind of crew as well. All the DSM crew and all all of them would come over. A lot of them moved to Adelaide at the time because they really liked our scene and um, that kind of helped it grow a little bit and then bands like uh, Daica kind of really took off and started uh, putting out like really solid like well released um, sorry well great sounding uh, records and they put a lot of effort into production and I really like that kind of stuff I like the bigger productions uh, and you know you've got bands like I called The Problem Queen came out Embodiment were kind of had been around forever and they were like we kind of blended a lot with that Christian kind of metalcore scene as well so a lot of those bands would play with us and so we, Even though I wasn't Christian, a lot of my friends weren't Christian, we always had a good connection with those guys um, because they had great bands, they were really nice people, and they had you know venues we could play at, like the Underground, so we, the Underground was became a really good venue for bands. I think, actually, Parkway Drive played some of their first shows at the Underground, and they were amazing. Like It was such a small, tight little venue, and I think, actually, looking back on it, a lot of people got quite hurt <laughs> at that venue at the, some of the Parkway shows. I may or may not have been a... a uh, perpetrator of that but yeah look it was a real blend of like everything and it was just such a special time and I look back at that kind of group of friends and I used to always think wow I feel sorry for people that aren't into this because it's so special and it like felt so cool and um, just this amazing thing to be a part of growing up it kind of gave me like a family a home away from home you know I didn't have the best home life and this kind of group of people just sort of helped me kind of feel really connected and like I had something really special even looking back on it to this day it holds a really special place in my uh, heart I'm just a, actually just sitting here looking at my wall which is covered in path resistance earth crisis um paraphernalia and it's, it's essentially shaped my life like and I kind of attribute it to Tommy D to be honest I think he's the one who really kind of spawned it on with his love for metal and it kind of brought that into the Adelaide scene and I feel like he is responsible for it um we were also kind of the uh Probably some of the OGs of the kickbox style dancing. I think we kind of learned a bit of that from the New Zealand guys, especially Angelo Munro. He came over and was doing it all. And then myself and a guy called Guy Daly started like doing it. And people like, what the fuck is these guys doing? And then it just kind of took off and we kind of got a little bit renowned for that kind of style of dancing as opposed to just like circle pits and stage diving. Um... So yeah, pretty funny uh, to look back on, but it was a, it really was a good time, and um, you know that led me into a whole career, uh, working in music, tour managing, and roading for Parkway Drive and all sorts of other bands, and really kind of spawned uh everything for my entire life. But I've still got great friends out of it, you know, met people like Jed and Pete through it. My best mate Ben Coit, who is singer of Day of Contempt, who's still super close with, catch up with him every week, and. Yeah, it's it's a hard one. If anyone's got any questions, um, like it's a hard one because there's just so much to talk about, but it was just this, it was really based on the fact that it was a tight-knit group of people from a very small town that all loved kind of metal, all loved hardcore, were quite inclusive. Uh, uh, there's a lot of girls, a lot of guys involved as well. And we just turned it into this thing that kind of just got a, reputation and turned into a little bit of a monolith for a while. So it was a cool time. And if anyone's got any questions or wants to ask me more about it, I'm more than happy to talk about it. Um, there's a million different stories and, um, you know, different things that I could say about it. But unless you've got some questions, I'm just not thinking of anything else off the top of my head. So thanks for listening. Um, 618 Forever.
2: That was Luke Weber, everyone. I'm pretty sure he just spoke more than Jed and I have in the existence of our podcast. Thank you, Luke.
1: Thank you, Luke. Time for me to sweat your Let's band mo- now, Luke.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Let's move on to Luke's band.
1: Um, I have a memory of Luke and Luke's band. Me and Pig and Berkey were driving around Australia in 2002 in our bus. And I also saw your band play in Melbourne. However, we got to Adelaide and we timed it with a show Prom Queen, Kill Choir Project, and Stronger Than Hate. And at the time, I think we had met Stronger Than Hate, but not really anyone else. But I see this tattooed fucking large gorilla man with a basketball jersey just fly-kicking everybody round houses <laughs> and moshing. And I said, that's the scariest man I've ever seen. Like, get me out of this mosh pit. And it turned out to be Luke <laughs> Weber, And possibly Shotpoint played that show, but I could be wrong. And um, he was a legend. But then when Shotpoint formed, they were just like the perfect blend of, of hardcore breakdowns, like a positive message. Brett Eitzen was a sick front man. So I really backed him. And they did really well. They around for a long time. What do you remember?
2: Yeah, this record came out in 2002 it's telling me. I don't know what song you're going to play again. Um but yeah, they obviously Weber was out of he was only in Dave contempt for a bit, but he was out and then Brett was just recently out as well, which I'm sure was really weird and for them all cuz like I talked about DOC being serious, I guess that's part of when you decide to be a serious band you've got to make tough decisions and I'm not sure exactly what went on there but either way Brett ended up leaving and starting his own band um and yeah they they just hit the ground running obviously they'd all been in other bands and They all had the contacts, so it was pretty easy. They pretty much just straight on to trial and error and started touring and playing shows, and they did a lot. They went overseas and toured a lot. For Like at the time, Australian bands didn't really do that, you know?
1: Mm. I remember when they came to Byron with Prom Queen and the tour was called War on the Floor. Oh. And it was... Mosh's delight. It was a mosh's delight. It was so good. (laughs) And you know, even even back in the day, like l- early late o2 like literally, Byron dudes are wearing board shorts and a yellow fucking Billabong shirt to the show, mm-hmm. and prom queen and DOC rock up with tight black jeans, fucking fringes, like tats, and we're like, this is this is the future, like this <laughs> is what we want to be, and like honestly, I wonder what it would be like if. If uh, we'd befriended, you know, toe to toe, and they were like, "Oi, play like tough guy, hardcore, and and fight,
5: like, <laughs> and what, drink
1: beer, and drink beer," like what, what, how it would have gone? But it went the way it did. House. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and we formed a really good friendship with with Shot Point. Um, obviously, Weber went on to tour with everyone, and then I even got him hired by Parkway in in about 08 and he went on to steal my job and work for them for like eight years. So Weber killed it and now Weber's just a dad living in Melbourne, living the dream, still vegan, still straight edge. And that's what I respect a huge amount, especially with most of those guys like Brett, Coit, Crafter. They're all still straight edge and that means so much in my eyes. From, yeah. know, from 97, like obviously not everyone is and that's fine, but it's fucking 25, 26 years ago. Like that's yeah. fucking insane.
2: It's pretty sick that, you know, obviously they heard Earth Crisis and were influenced, but then, you know, it wasn't just them trying to be cool. Like, yeah, like you said, Coit, uh, Weber, Um, Dan. you know, they've act- – yeah, they've actually stuck to it. You know what I mean? Eitzen, like it's it's not it wasn't just something fake for them. Yeah, there's a few sellouts in the mix. Poor Benny Loy and Big Jim, Stacey oh, Adrian's not, best friend. No need Let's to name jobs. No na- name and shame.
0: I'm name not a name shame. and shamer.
2: No. Oh, if you're not now, you never were. Hey, no. <laughs> it's just funny, but you, they're everyone's legend. That's the thing, though. It, that's what is cool about Adelaide. The only thing that sucks is that. None of them really live here or go to shows anymore because when I go to a show in Adelaide, I'm by far and away the oldest human in the room.
1: (laughs) Well, they all realise that why are they going to see a local band to 100 people? They've got better shit to do. (laughs)
6: Like what?
1: (laughs) Not be there.
2: (laughs) Yes, be at home. All right, here's a shot point song. Jed can pick it. Bring me down.
1: You know that's.
2: Oh, that's. Yeah, but it's you, Desmond. You are meant to be playing stuff off the first record.
1: No apologies. That's why. Oh, it's is
2: called. that it? Yeah. Oh, I'm proud of who
1: I fucking am.
2: Yeah, that's the shot point song. Actually, my, my, my apologies, but no apologies. Here it is. Break me
5: down. i fucking me down.
1: you can't talk about adelaide without talking about prom queen now you all know who crafter is and if for some reason you don't then you must be living under a fucking brick rock <laughs> but hang on
2: hang <laughs> on do you all do you all know who lee stacy is though no well everyone google stacy surfboards And the man that owns that business and shapes those surfboards was the other voice you hear on this next song. Mm. So shout shout out to Lee and Stacey Surfboards. Uh, I ride his surfboards. Thank you very much. Um, So does Pig? Yeah. He's Um, hooking up. I think Shell's on one at the moment. We used to call him... Surfboards is down for
1: the core. Yeah, we used to call him Surf Rat
4: because it was...
1: Jonah, Kev, Sean, JJ and Crafter. And as much as I love them all, um RIP to Sean Kennedy. They are they were like the definition of emo, like black hair, fringe, whatever. Yeah, hang on,
2: but Lee wasn't in the band with all those guys, but Well, this was prior they, to them joining.
1: Okay, well, forgive me, but um when we you saw Lee forgiven. For the first time, we are like, what's he doing with these guys? He's just a surf rat. And then you get on stage and just blast his voice. And um, it was fucking wild. Now, Prom Queen obviously went on to kill it. They toured the world. They, you know, they're possibly even still together. 20 years since their um, main album came out, Siscon recently just did a re-release. So They did a lot of things. They also probably made a lot of errors um, and therefore didn't capitalize as much as they possibly could have. But at the time, they were huge. They had psycho moves on stage and we were like looking up to them. And obviously they were the first band who took out Parkway. And, you know, you all know the rest of that story. But when we first heard them, It was so different to what we had originally, you know, been listening to and um, I instantly was psyched on this song. It was on a trial and error comp and I was like, this doesn't sound like an Australian band. So they were breaking boundaries from the start. What did you think of it?
2: I'll just add that. Before I met my wife, her and her best friend Stacy, who went on to be the guitarist in Crime Murder, grew up going to the first I Killed the Prom Queen shows and moshing.
1: Like <laughs> pagan moshing or windmill. No, windmill.
2: like kickboxing. There's fucking a video <laughs> somewhere, and I need it. The pit clears, and they get in, and you hear the crowd like give them like a claim and they just like swinging their little arms around. They both would have weighed like 40 kilos and it's really funny. Huge. But yeah, so my wife knows more about prom queen than me. I don't know. Shit. Or like the first time I saw him was in 2001 in Sydney and I was like, what is this noise? This is not hardcore. <laughs> Cause I had my arrogant, ignorant, Closed
1: eyes. Mm. Forgive me, Father, but did they play Hardcore 2001? Yeah, you were there. I was there and I just wasn't sure if they played, but also DOC played that show. Oh, forgive me. Forgive me, I have sinned.
2: I think it was the next year, maybe.
1: I think they played it too. yeah.
2: Yeah, it was the same venue, but the next year. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
1: 2002. Yeah. Well, anyway. And his- cut. Crafter had a Guns N' Roses
2: t-shirt on. I don't know why I
1: remember that. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Crafter. Here's a song and a fucking bit of Shinfo from the legend himself.
6: On you podcast listening, Desmonds, it's Crafter here from whatever fucking bands I was in. Pete Bloke has absolutely punished me to fucking do a couple minutes to talk about the punk and hardcore scene. So I'm going to talk about the southern suburbs and where I grew up. I grew up in a town called Aldinga, and at the time, the footy club held a lot of shows. So around 12 or 13, I got to see a lot of bands in that area and around that area from Where's the Pope, the Bearded clams, the Test Eagles, the marker Kane, the Numb Skulls, the Clowns of Decadence, and so forth, um, played not only the footy clubs of that area, but also basketball stadiums and so forth. Around that time, shows were actually really fucking big. Like nearly everything would sell out. There was a massive punk scene down south. And bands not only would play inside the club rooms, but they're often stages put on the ovals where thousands of people would turn up to things called the Mid Coast Meltdown of the time. Around this time, uh, One Inch Punch played the Portalunga Footy Club. I got to see them. And around the similar time, they toured with Pennywise, Blink 182, Body Jar, and so forth. Um, although I was heavily into punk music, it probably was around when I was 14 or 15, Mind Snare played the Aldinga Football Club. So think about how old that is. That's so long ago. I played the Odinga Football Club and I got to see them. And that's kind of where my idea of what I was into changed because at that point I'd never heard anything so heavy. Um, Also at this time, uh, bands like Force Fed 9, The Price of Silence, uh, there was another band called Out of Order and stuff. were also doing shows around kind of the south and down Glenelg and stuff like that that I often got a chance to go to. I think uh, I remember I got the out of order demo out of uh, the, the spiral objective, uh, distro, which was, um, the singer from price of silences distro at the time. His name was Greg. And I remember they kind of sounded a bit like that. And they kind of sounded a bit like Force Fed nine. And it kind of like led me down a thing. I was like, what else is out there? And that's, about the same time that I got into Day of Contempt and then obviously Adelaide from there took off. But the history before that was just such an important thing that I think if it wasn't for bands like Where's the Pope and so forth, um, bands like Day of Contempt also probably wouldn't exist because we're all so heavily influenced by those bands and going to shows that all those earlier punk shows and then kind of bringing hardcore bands on, like the Force Fed Nines and Price of Silence and and Out of Orders and so forth and getting on other gigs that have opened, like, especially me, up to a whole new world of music. Um, A lot of those bands just didn't last very long. They probably only – I don't know how long Price of Silence is around, but by the time I really started getting into stuff, they're already already playing their last shows. And I remember, I I think the last time I seen them, they played – the amphitheater outdoors of Henley Beach. And I think the last time I seen um, uh, Out of Order, it was at a place called the Proscenium, I think, Bar, which is in fucking down one end of fucking Adelaide somewhere. And then, then kind of like after that, Day of Contempt, had to kind of build a scene themselves. So, yeah, the South was thriving back then. It got me into what I was into and and whatnot. And it was just such a good memory to look back and think how good the Test Eagles, where's the Pope, the Bearded Clams, and all those bands were at that era. Well, that's all I've got to say. I'm sure someone else is going to tell you about the next year and fucking go into what people think were the glory days of Adelaide Hardcore and whatnot. So cheers, Desmond.
2: All right. Well, I said when I think about Adelaide Hardcore, I think of Day of Contempt. I think for a lot of our listeners, they might also think of this next band, Jungle Fever. I'm sure Jed has, has never heard a song, but
7: That's they
2: came true. along <laughs> a little bit later, 2004, I believe the demo came out, which is this a song we'll play here. Um, At the time, Gabe yeah. used to sweat me and my bands. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. And I remember this song we're going to play. I was actually there at his parents' house in his bedroom where I still sometimes drive past and always remember this story. And he showed me this song on his guitar and he goes, do you think this is a bit too silly? Like, because the last riff is quite silly. And I said, no, that's sweet. And he called the song Jamaican Me Crazy, which is also quite silly. But that's what the band was. So Gabe grew up in the scene, going to all these shows, Dave of Contempt, all that stuff. And he played in... Fuck, what band did he... He played in Kill Choir Project at one point. Legend. Yeah, so that's a band we haven't mentioned, but maybe...
1: I've got a notable mentions section, so I'll get to that in a second.
2: All right. But
1: anyway, but Gabe ended up
2: Going the opposite way. So everyone in Adelaide, you know, was met, you know, sort of the metallic hardcore, Earth Crisis, fucking One King Down, et cetera. Gabe sort of went a bit more traditional hardcore. So that's what he wanted his band to sound like, which he pretty much changed the sound of Adelaide hardcore for quite a while because prior to this, Webber gives props to Tommy D for... Also, Force Fed 9 would have to take some because they straight off the bat were that metallic sound. But after Jungle Fever, uh, there was a whole heap of bands from Adelaide that were more traditional sounding, you know?
1: Well, I reckon um, it, it, it coincided with the era of that, um, you know, crucial scene that all of Australia saw.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, There was this band called Last Nerve that,
1: nah. You weren't crucial. But, I don't know. I never heard you. You've
2: got, you, you actually don't even know what hardcore is, do you?
1: No. Oh, I know there's a band called Stronghold that they were the kings of hardcore. Oh,
2: God. Oh, don't, you asked me not to burn things, so don't set me up.
1: So, um, Jungle Fever was sick. Um, shout out to Joel, 60 kids for uh, being in Jungle Fever. I still don't know how that happened because he lived in Central Coast and they're from Adelaide.
2: Because they all moved to Sydney.
1: That was about
2: five years later.
1: Right, okay.
2: Yeah, remember then I stole them all to be in No Apologies as well. (laughs) Right, okay. So yeah,
1: they, they ended up all living
2: in Sydney years later. That's how Joel ended up playing bass and the bass player never moved to Sydney.
1: But they were, um, they were around for a long time. They were pretty active. So here's a song that, that may or may not be good.
8: What the fuck is on me? Music with me like say. Why can't you swear God? I'm losing my fucking mind. No matter what it takes, gotta triple my stuff, no, it's just a fucking rock. I don't know what to do, all I know, check on you. One, two, three, four, get
3: Hi, Pete and Jed. Uh, Stu here. Just going to talk to you a bit about the uh, Adelaide Hardcore Glory Days. Um, Now, back in the day, I've I've been thinking about it quite a bit, and it doesn't really make much sense when I look back on it, just because of the way that the majority of us were living at the time. Um, No one really had jobs. Everyone was on the dole, and... Everyone would hang out every single day. Um, We'd just... Whether it was going to the city to put up flyers um, or someone would be getting tattooed at the body art shop by Dan Smith so there'd be dudes hanging out there um, or we'd be getting a whole crew and going to um, Vegos for lunch. Everyone was just doing things together together And our friendship group was super tight. Um, And it was, I guess it was an added bonus that the, our, uh, our friends were involved in a lot of the, uh, the main bands that were, that were doing things uh, in, in the hardcore scene. Um, Obviously, Day of Contempt were blowing up. Um, Out of that came Shot Point Blank. Um, and, uh, I killed the prom queen, obviously blowing up as well. Um, the kill choir project were doing things already. And obviously embodiment was already, uh, an established, um, established band by the time I'd really started, uh, getting involved with the hardcore scene. Um, it's funny though, that the, the scene, um, from that, uh, initial, I guess, all, uh, Prom Queen and, uh, DOC and Shotpoint with a, with a second wave. Um, in that wave, all the, all those dudes would hang out at the, the Parkside house. Um, you know, Coit and Weber lived there and MJ lived there and I'm sure a bunch of other dudes would, would live there, uh, along the years too. Um, but once, um, DOC relocated to California and um, Weber had started going to the States a bit to hang out there and and start travelling a lot and he went to the UK for a while too. Crafter had moved away to to Melbourne. Um, The newer wave of bands that were coming through like Stronghold and Through Closed Eyes and Bloodsport, we decided that it was going to be our job to keep Adelaide Hardcore going and kind of do what the those older guys had, had done um, and keep the flame burning bright. So the new base of uh, operations was at Hughes Street in Myland. Um, I lived there with Dan Jones from Seraph's Coal and he would go on to drum for Stronghold. Um, and that house was just wild it was just this rotating door of touring bands um you know carpathian and 50 lions would always be coming through um i remember like going to sleep and like waking up one afternoon and like walking out into the lounge room and big jim was there with himsa um and that there was always something something going on constant bands were coming through and that gave me the opportunity to jump in the in the van with um bands like Carpathian and uh Fifty Lions and to start touring a lot with them. Um but I guess uh the main thing that Adelaide has always been known for is that a lot of our bands always had that metallic edge to it. Um and I guess with that uh heavy uh mosh related music comes heavy mosh <laughs> related dancing. Um, and Adelaide was pretty renowned for uh, having a lot of uh, violent violent dancing and and getting pretty crazy. Um, and a lot of people who would come and visit didn't like it. They'd complain a lot and say that we were meatheads and jocks. But I just want to put it out there and say that Uh, the only reason I would ever dance hard and kick people as hard as I could and punch them a lot was because we had psychopaths like Luke Weber going absolutely crazy. Uh, And I thought to myself, if I punched and kicked as hard as I could, then in the chance that I did make contact with someone, that would hurt and they wouldn't come near me. And I'd just be able to have my own space and that worked for a little bit until obviously you know people decided hang on we can't let this fat idiot just uh take up all this all this room and so other people would start dancing too and I'd cop it a fair bit as well but look I I mean I had seen Luke Weber spin kick our friend Gons in the arm and shatter his uh his arm and I didn't want that happening to me so I would, uh, just kick and punch as hard as I could in the hope that no one would come near me and I wouldn't get hit. Um, but look, I mean, all in all, the, the best thing about Adelaide was the friendship. We had, we had awesome bands. We had awesome shows. We had great venues, um, Fowlers, the underground, the Enigma bar, the Irish club, Um, man, it was a, it was a great time to, to be alive. It was a a great time to, to be involved in hardcore. Um, and it, it taught me so much more than, than school ever did. It got me into straight edge. It got me into veganism. Um, it taught me how to stand up for myself. And look, if there's one thing that, Younger kids that are listening to this can take away it's the fact that throughout your life like if you if you have a have a dream and you're telling someone about it, whether that be a parent or a teacher, and they say that it's impossible and you can't do it like that's bullshit like our bands came from nothing, and some of them went worldwide and achieved more than anyone could have ever thought possible. And that's just because they had a dream and they stuck to it. And, I mean, Parkway is proof of that. It, it's been shown over and over and over again. Um, you can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it. And, um, yeah, look, I hope that the kids in Adelaide are, are uh, listening to this and, and they're going to bring it back to, uh, to what it once was. If uh, if winners circle is anything to go by, it's it's definitely in the in the right hands. But look, thanks for letting me talk, and uh, I love the podcast, Jed. Stay enthusiastic, um, and yeah, see you guys soon. Thank you. Bye.
2: All right. Well, no talking about songs that may or may not be good. What's <laughs> on next, Jed? Stronghold.
1: Step back.
2: Yeah. I will step. As far back as I can.
1: I will step forward and say in 2005, the best festival in Australia was ever put on in Adelaide. Crafter Fest. Now, Chuck Norris got invited to go with Parkway. Parkway were headlining. Chuck Norris was opening. Oh, sorry. Chuck Norris played second stronghold opened their first show and we're at fowlers and if you've been to fowlers you know it's probably not a big room anymore but at the time it was fucking gigantic and i remember stronghold started and i've never seen a bunch of men erupt into more chaotic experience it was mosh pits going on and i thought this is it this is the best band i've ever seen um so I don't care. You're being all quiet and weird because you don't like them. They must have fucking rubbed you up the wrong way or something.
2: No, keep talking, man.
1: Okay. Well.
2: No, no, I'm looking at the flyer and I can't believe you remembered that they opened. How did you remember that?
1: Because I remember the scenes of just pure carnage. I don't
2: remember the scenes.
1: Read out that flyer for all the listeners who are
2: unfamiliar. Well, I'll post it too. But on the Saturday show, prom queen headlined, then last nerve hit list, restraint. <laughs> oh
1: my god, you're so good! How are miles so good? away?
2: <laughs> well, how are we playing a show in what, what year is that?
1: Oh five.
2: How did restraint play a show in two thousand and five?
1: Fuck to find know? <laughs> Must Over have been your last away. one. Yeah. Over,
2: whole... no it was like a reunion type thing like we weren't a band mm. um then it gets weird wendy icon daylight curse in name and blood through closed eyes they're a big adelaide band
1: yes that's right. adrian
2: adrian used to dance with the guitarist and i saw him at a dance thing the other night and we spoke about hardcore <laughs> wow yeah um we, The Score, The Dead Walk, Burn For Me, The Rivalry, Chuck Norris and Stronghold.
3: That's
1: one day.
2: That's one. Then the next day, Parkway headline, Shot Point Blank, Taking Sides, Against Carpathian, Her Nightmare. Here we go. All it cost was everything. Who will speak about that? From These Wounds, Jungle Fever, From the Ruins, Alleged, Morning Tide, Crime Murder, Death Fell Still. And easily the worst name of a band I've ever heard, Jessica in Pieces.
1: Yeah, there's definitely. If a- you
2: played, if you played in Jessica in Pieces, close your right hand into a fist, turn it to face your face, and punch yourself. Thank you.
1: Listen, Crafter, well done. That was a fucking lineup from hell. Like incredible. I want
2: to know what we got paid what did i
1: get paid crafter please 20 dollar
2: ticket sellout my band Boy, played second to last fell out and with
1: 600 500 so there ain't much so, money going around
2: there's a lot of flights in there There's band's from fucking everywhere well, queensland perth
1: was, that is the biggest fest that's ever happened eh? i was gonna say easily we drove from byron bay in two taragos 20, oh 20, 26 hours pretty much straight. Rocked up, went to Crafter's parents' house, hung in old dingo, went swimming, then went to the show. And then, after the parkway, like had been around for a couple years at this point, but like they obviously killed it at the show, and then we got in the car and drove 26 hours home. And that was the well, start of touring for us.
2: I was on tour with Tiger Army and Graham let me leave the tour for one night. So I flew in at like four in the afternoon, did two sets, and then went straight to the airport and flew back to the tour. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I didn't even see any other bands play. I was real sad that I missed Stronghold play.
1: Um, Notable mentions. All it cost was everything. Um, Vegan, straight edge band with unknown members because they all wore masks. Um, They printed shirts for that show and I still have one. So that was epic. Um, Bloodsport. I don't know if they played that show, but they were another Adelaide band similar to Stronghold. Obviously we mentioned Crime Murder and early on in the piece, Kill Choir Project, bit like Rocky with weird singing and stuff, but they were good. And, Another weird one, Wendy Icon, the singer, uh, sorry, not the singer, I think guitarist, went on to become a policeman. Tom, maybe his name is. How do you know that? Because I remember him from gigs. And then when I was in Adelaide all the time, like TMing other bands, whatever, he'd be on duty at the show and he's like walking around like in the pit (laughs) in a full cop outfit and i was like yeah lad he's like yeah you still touring i'm like yep and he goes i'm a cop now and it was just a weird interaction so i'm sure any adelaide guys will know what i'm talking about
2: well no comment on that one let's play I need to clarify my stronghold. I just think it's funny. they got songs about how down for hardcore they are and all that, and they just were around for about a year, so that's yeah. why I'm writing them off, yeah, nothing I get it. more than that, nothing personal it's just sound it's it's like actually a joke to me, so whatever
1: well, Dan the drummer, he was down for hardcore,
2: oh of course he's a legend, but the rest of them are but, gone in the wind,
1: yeah and i'd I'd love to know. Where the singer and I think George, the bass player, um, George was the main guy and he
2: was he was a really polite legend of a kid. I wasn't Frizy the guitarist, yeah, Frizy.
1: Yeah, Fryzy. yeah he's,
2: not, he's still around and playing in bands. He you wouldn't recognize him though.
1: No, I'm not, he's a legend or sure I wouldn't, but um,
2: but he would laugh at this too. It's just funny, it is what it is. I'm whatever, play your yeah. song, St- sure. step back, bro.
1: You step back, Desmond.
8: Step back! This is for those who give it all! Not you! You're so back the the way! What you give is what you fucking get! Nothing more, and nothing less! Give it all! Or get the fuck out! Give it all! Or step back! Give it all, or get the fuck out Give it all, or I step back Taking this for granted Never break so totally. Cutting down the second Before you're never memory And what's the fact you will never feel What this means the me And never waste my breath Telling you that this is M- we You're done, nothing to take from this for so long It won't happen, it won't be broken It's not time for us to step down It's time for us to fight back You deserve the strength that we breathe Suffocation is not enough You couldn't fucking care any less For who we are, for what this means, for what we've done Step back This is for those that give it all Not you, so back beyond the other way What you give is what you fucking get Nothing more and nothing less Give it all or get the fuck out Give it all or step back Get it all,
2: or get the fuck out! It all, or step! Back. We've only got one more song because by this point it's gotta be the longest episode we've ever done. But I felt this band had to be included and we haven't played any of Footy's band yet. Footy is the fucking Adelaide Graham. He was the man here. He's done so much shit. And also, we're not getting into more current stuff. I would have played Crisis Alert, but this but band that, was called... no one's ever heard got, of them. Well, you haven't, because they don't have breakdowns and a singer that's trying to sound like a goat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this band is called God So Loved the World, which if Jessica Pieces is a bad name, that's almost as bad. But they explained it to me and I kind of agreed. They wanted to have the most like confrontational name they could. They wanted a name that you would say, I will never listen to that band because of that name. But if this band was called like fucking, I don't know, something with two letters that sounds oh, tough. I'll do it. Give me t- two letters. I'm trying to think. I'm looking around my house. Plant stomp. <laughs> Hardwood. ball. I don't know. If this had two letters and they they would have been the biggest band ever because you've never heard a better band. If you like good riddance and like fast hardcore punk, but musically and recording and everything, this is like fucking, this is 2006 and it sounds as good as anything anyone's doing now. Um, that was were, in the band. They were straight, well, it was Dan singing, the same guy who played drums in Stronghold. He he can play every instrument, though, and I believe he wrote all the songs and recorded them all. So it's just him, I believe. Right. But then he had Josh Mann, who went on to play in Paper Arms, who I fucking loved. Their first album is really good if it's, I don't know, if it's on Spotify. Kind of sounds like hot water music kind of stuff. Right. Um. Footy on bass and fucking Grebs, long time listener actually, Grebs. I ended up being his boss for a while. No, I wasn't his boss. He was a barber and we ended up hanging every day for years, which is a funny story because I didn't really know him back then so much. But years later, we reconnected and he's a legend. They, yeah, great fucking band. I think there's some footage of them playing on YouTube, insane name, but they knew what they were doing. This song, is as, as bad as their name is, this song title is just as bad. American Holocaust. Not sure what the fuck that's about. but
1: Maybe they hated America.
2: Uh, yeah, hopefully. But I think it's, yeah, more than trying to be American. But maybe not. Dan's a fucking intellectual guy, so he's um, probably...
1: All right, play this song. We're not finished yet. We got one more. Fuck. Oh, Well, that covers a small portion of Adelaide Hardcore. I think
2: we did a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, hopefully it wasn't too rushed and we may have missed some bands and missed some people, but you get the idea. Um, They've got some fucking good bands. Unfortunately, not all of them or even any of them that we played are around. Is that right? They're all gone. Yeah.
2: Maybe Prom Queen, I guess, but... No, they're well and truly gone. Like as all the others.
1: Yeah. And and there's a um give us a quick mention of current Adelaide bands that the
2: listeners oh. should be listening to. Well, there's the main one, Chrome Cage, who played their first show the other night. Um they're they're one you should check out. Obviously, Winner's Circle, Tunnel Vision. Brain freeze. There's lots. Smash are a new band that are doing some great things down here in Adelaide. That's good. We got uh No Peace. No Peace, all in. Who else Crisis. have I missed? Crisis Alert? No, they're they're not really playing. Oh, Footy's got a new band.
1: Yep. Footy was and in I'll our tell first you what... episode.
2: Yeah, because I was fucking sitting next to him.
1: What was Footy's old punk band? i trying to think of that before.
2: Oh, now you've put me on the fucking spot.
1: They toured overseas and everything. Yeah,
2: Soul and Youth. That's it.
7: They were And his sick. new band's
2: called Division, right? But the only way you can hear them is if you buy their LP and have a record player, because he's not going to put it on digital streaming.
1: That's pretty good. And it,
2: and he's holding an LP for me at his shop, and I haven't been in the city to get it.
1: Give him, so, give your shop a shout-out.
2: Oh, yeah, Clarity Records. Uh, 60 Paltney Street, Adelaide. Um, they're fucking huge. They've got whatever you want, basically.
1: I'll give a shout-out to... Uh... <laughs> no, fuck it, I won't.
2: No, do it. Whatever that was was going to be good. Please do it.
1: There was a sound guy, metal guy. Here, oh, th- no. Yeah.
2: Da Big E-dog. Pig. Oh, not him. What about E-Dog, man? Shout out E-Dog. Who's E-Dog? We can't do an Adelaide episode without fucking shouting out E-Dog. He was this bald metal dude that was Day of contempt sound guy. And me and Will were going to jujitsu one night. And you know... <laughs> When those fucking elections are on and they put up politicians' heads yep. everywhere, yeah, his fucking head was every. We were like rattled. <laughs> we stopped the car and we're taking selfies with his head.
1: Huge. Um, there was a big. There's a few rock bands that were in Adelaide. I can't think of their names anymore. Truth
2: corroded. They were a shit metal band. That's what the Big Pig was involved in. Crafter yeah. and the Big Pig used to go jet skiing and shit. Yeah. The big pig pretty much looks like Crafters Perth crew. <laughs> <laughs> Just old,
1: washed up. Tally. Shout out to the big pig. Man. I think he still follows me on the gram. So I reckon he's oh, huge. A
2: of his. I reckon last time I saw the big pig was at one of my mates' hip hop shows in Adelaide. And the pig, the big Pig's son, is into hip hop, and he's trying to like. I think he was his manager or something. I was so confused. The big ball. <laughs> oh, I don't fucking know. Um, anyway, we can't end the episode talking about him. There's only one way to end this episode, and I think you know what that is, friend.
1: I do. It's from the Kings, the beatdown Kings. Um, <laughs> the metal, the metal lords. They did go on to do some questionable things. But I um, had a crack. I can't say that. Can I, I love that. I, 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 yeah,
2: you can. I love the LP, but it's just not what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about a specific like, time period. So we'll keep it. We've got to play The Slaughter Begins, a pretty much perfect end to their EP and what will be the end to this episode that went for about 30 minutes too long.
1: If you... are. Uh... If you have any specific bands and cities that you think are worthy of a mention, like don't, don't say mind snare in Melbourne because we're not fucking idiots. <laughs> but if there's anything underground that you think we're not good enough to know about, and that's impossible. Cause we're, we're so good. That yeah, we know everything. There's, there's
2: no way we don't
1: know about it. Yeah, we know everything about everyone.
2: <laughs> and if we haven't played your band, we're not doing it because we forgot about it. There's a reason.
1: There's a reason. Um, <laughs> And Big Jim, stop talking like an American, all right? We're fucking Aussies oh,
2: here. Huge burn.
1: Yeah. All right, that's it. Here's DOC. Fucking peace out. We'll see you next week.
2: Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. It's the 5Q's podcast. Jed, Pete Bloke, Guzman Y Gomez, episode 14. Famous James, a.k.a. Big Jim, It's about to get down.